Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. We have been unveiling the last couple weeks just plans of moving into more as Activate, and uh, we are excited and anticipating just the opportunities. We know that God has not finished working in and through uh, this church and through the people of this church, and uh, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to look, but before we get there, I want to just let you know, make you aware, uh, some of the aspects of this Activate is a two-year initiative, and we've unveiled this knowing that God is giving us an opportunity over uh, almost three years ago, we started talking about what is next. Uh, we had a, a year called This Is Next, and just preparing for what God was going to make possible and what we would move into, we didn't even know what it was exactly. We just knew that God was setting our path and was going to move us forward. How many know that we can move with anticipation because we know that God is the direct of our steps, the author and the finish of our faith, that he's always activating and working in us things for his glory. And so as we move forward, we said we want to continue to make room uh, here at Faith Assembly, but also as we reach out. And uh, we, of course, have been praying about what that next might be. And a couple weeks ago, we unveiled what we believe this next is for here in our property, developing and making room for more, this activating and making room for more, moving into more, making it more accessible, uh, more centralized, and even more room. It's outlined, and uh, you can find it online. If you go to myfaithassembly.org, activate, you'll find it there. It's also outlined in a booklet that we put together, and uh, we've handed those out. If you've not had a chance to get one of those booklets, you can find it in the information center, and it will outline some of the details and talk about what the, the, the plan and the vision is. What we know is that it is doable because God has called us to plant and to water. One of the things that we understand is timing is the Lord's deal. How many know that timing belongs to God? And sometimes for us, we have to realize what we're called to is to plant and to water. We can do that because God has given us seeds and resources that we can plant and water. But how many know that it's God who determines the when and the increase? He's the one that's in charge of time. And we realize that our aspect or what we do is to plant and to water. And so we're, we're uh, knowing that we have this possibility as we're calling us together to activate. And on November the 24th, in just two weeks, we're looking forward to just a historic moment here in our church as we're giving you an opportunity. That day you'll receive a commitment card. Uh, everyone that's here with us, we hope you'll make plans to be a part of it. And on that commitment card will be an opportunity for you to uh, make a decision or to make a commitment before God uh, of what, what we can do together in two years, starting November 24th, that being our first offering. And uh, we'll be bringing an offering that day, the end of that service, we'll, we'll end that service, we'll start with communion, and we'll end with an offering of just coming before God and, and giving to God what we have, stepping out in faith, believing that there's more than enough. Uh, we believe that we have the potential of raising over a million dollars in two years here in this house. That's a big deal. We know that it's possible. It's not by each of us, it's not by one person or a few people doing everything, it's by each of us, every one of us, doing what God has enabled and made possible for for us to do as we plant and as we water. This week, the, the Lord had uh, just impressed on me uh, that uh, he is raising people up who would be like those in Joshua chapter 3. In Joshua chapter 3, there were those that were a part of the priests, and they went first. If you look in Joshua chapter 3, they had the promise of going in 
to the promised land. Moses had been a part of that, given the promise. The unfortunate thing, or not just unfortunate, but Moses represented the law, and the law will never get you into the promise. But Joshua represented the the ability, who is Jesus, to walk us into the promise. And in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua says, the, the Lord says to them, to tell the people to consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I'm going to do great things among you. And he said, watch those who go ahead. Watch those who go ahead, follow behind them, and know that I'm leading them because you've never been this way before. I'm so thankful that God knows how to give us what we need because we're going places we have never been before. We don't know how to do what we do, but the Spirit of God is guiding us. And the Lord spoke to me. He took me to that word this week, and he said, invite people because he's raising up people. I'm not asking you to be part of the priest to carry this verse, but God said he's already put that in the hearts of people. And even as I'm saying it now, there's some people who are saying, God is just stirring my heart. I'm, I'm called to be a part of that. And on this Saturday, this coming Saturday at 5 o'clock, we're planning already some of our leadership team getting together for an a, a, a early commitment a gathering. It's at 5 o'clock on Saturday, and I just felt led to even give this opportunity now as a, we talked about it, but the Lord took me to Joshua chapter 3 and said that he's going to raise up those who this will resonate with them, and they're saying, I'm ready to go first. Because how many know in any initiative it takes leaders? And it doesn't mean that none of that 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 uh, that not all of us are leaders. We're all leaders, but there's places and time that God has called us. And I'm going to ask you if God is stirring your heart on Saturday to come and, and uh, join us. Uh, we would just need to know you're coming. You can let Holly know. It's Holly at MyFaithAssembly.org or contact one of the our, our office. We'd love to connect you with that. There's not a formal uh, invite to everybody. It's just hey leadership. And those who are a part of leadership, but I just felt led to say today that maybe God's stirring your heart and saying, you know what, I'm calling you to be a part of this who put their water, their feet in the water first. If you read Joshua chapter 3, the priests moved and they put their water or their feet in the water. And when they did, then God moved the water. And God is, is raising up some of those who will say, I'll go to the water first. We'll step into that. And so I want to invite you on Saturday. Uh, it's a holy and a sacred moment. Now, we're going to have a time of, of just spending together in worship and prayer, consecrating ourselves before the Lord. And I'm going to put that invitation out. And I know it's not for everybody, but I know the Holy Spirit is stirring some people right now. He said, God is stirring my heart to be a part of this, to help be a part of, of this first step of moving forward and uh, on this Saturday. In fact, I just felt led to even pray now. Uh, because I, I do believe this is a holy moment. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you give that opportunity that I'm already stirring people's hearts, that they say, that's me. That's what I'm, that's what I'm called to be a part of. That's this season and this moment right now. And so I just want to pray over that. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are raising up your people at this point in this time. God, each of us, you position for a purpose and a place. And, and Lord, I pray now, God, that you would speak to our hearts that God, who that would be, what that would be. And Lord, uh, we, we, uh, we believe, Lord, you already said that you're speaking to hearts. You're stirring. So God, we just pray we'd be available to hear. And Lord, to step into what you have. God, I thank you what you're going to do. And you're going to do much with little. Because God, in reality, what we have is little. But Lord, I thank you that your anointing makes it more. So Lord, we honor you with what we have, with who we are. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would raise us up for this moment. That we would step in to what you have for us, for your glory in Jesus' name. If you agree with that and you can do two things at once, would you shout amen and stand on your feet at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed you did that at the same time. So uh, I am uh, um, excited to uh, share this morning in Luke chapter 9. And uh, if you would turn with me there as we continue our series here and now, this is what we've been journeying through 
in preparing our hearts for this Activate moment uh, as we'll be receiving the offering, the first offering uh, in our Activate offering and also the, the two-year commitments in just two weeks. But uh, we have been journeying along the road of Samaria and Jerusalem. i got to be honest with you. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, but when I noticed this, like all these sermons have to do with conversations between Jerusalem and Samaria or back and forth, but along the road of Jerusalem and Samaria. Uh, I didn't plan it that way, but I started to think, Holy Spirit, you must have had something in mind in uh, putting these, these together. And it just struck me this week as I was looking at this, and we're going to look at again at another conversation uh, along the way, uh, but Samaria represents a place that has the form of godliness, but Jerusalem is the place where it is fulfilled the purpose and fulfilled will of God. And how many know there's a difference between the form of godliness and the fulfilled will of God? How many say we want the fulfilled will of God in our hearts and in our lives? And so uh, take a look with me in uh, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Shame on him. Verse 54, when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? I'm glad someone else laughed at that. I laughed at that this morning. Everybody just stared at me. I'm like, I think that was funny. I mean, here's James and John. Who do they think they are? Lord, do you want us to call down fire? Here's what the Lord says to them. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And he said, you don't realize what your hearts are like. Another says, you don't realize what spirit you're of. You don't realize what's going on on the inside of you. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. So they went on to another village. I usually have you say something to somebody, but I'm not going to have you say anything to anybody. Uh, last week, we looked at Peter and the conversation Jesus had with him. And uh, one of the, the conversations Jesus said is, you're going to die a certain way. It's going to look a certain way. And uh, when Peter realized that he was going to die like that, he turned over or looked around and he saw John, who Jesus loved. And remember what Peter said, what about him? This morning, I don't want us to ask anybody, but I want us to look up to heaven And maybe without even saying out loud, but Holy Spirit, what about me? Holy Spirit, what about me? God, would you open our hearts today? And God, would we allow the light of heaven to shine? And Lord, search our hearts. God, help us to know what spirit we're of today. And God, prepare us, Lord, to hear your word, receive your word, and Lord, to be transformed by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What about me? I, uh, I know there's two sides of that, that one would sound selfish and we'll address that. And then the other side would be negligent. We'll address that as well. One thing that I know and I don't have to tell you is uh, without a doubt that anytime we open our hearts to be obedient to the voice of God, we also at the same time become vulnerable to the devices of the enemy. Let me say that again. When we walk in obedience towards the voice of God, we become vulnerable to the devices of the enemy. The enemy begins to move in and try to do whatever he can when we step out to trust and to move forward and to do what God has called us to do. We realize it's never easy to do what God has put in our heart to do. The path, the the way that God has set for us is not always the most conducive. 
Paul said this to the church in Corinth and in 2 Corinthians, he says to them that we are not unfamiliar with the devices of the enemy. The enemy has devices and we should not be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. You've got to realize and know. And I feel, I feel a strong encouragement and call of God in this moment as we're stepping in and believing God for something great. I feel this call of God to say, hey, church, in the midst of us believing God for great things, let's not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Let's not be foolish and ignore that the enemy will do whatever he can. What is his device or what is his, his desire? The plan of the enemy is to bring division. The plan of the enemy is always to divide the hearts that God is working among because if God can, if he, if he can divide the hearts that God is working among, he can now separate and make it difficult for God, for the people of God to hear God and to step into what he's called to do. He, if he can bring the division, how does he do that? Two main things I want to hit today. They're not the only devices, but they're key devices that the enemy uses, and that's offense and judgment. Key devices that the enemy will use to bring separation or to hinder or to bring a difficulty in the work that he wants to do is he will allow the offense and the judgment. We have become an offended generation that's very critical. The Bible says in the last days that people will hate one another. And that word hate one another means to be offended with one another. How many know we live in the United Offense of America? I mean, we are offended by everything. We Offense is on the rise. It's, it's what the Bible said. We live in those days. And so if that's what would happen in these last days, how many know the church needs to be aware and be on guard to not allow those things to grip and to hold to us to make those difficulties? That the judgment, that we've got to guard our hearts, that we've got to be careful. While God is roaring the advancement of heaven, the enemy is prowling like a lion to attack what God wants to do. Do you realize heaven is roaring and Satan is prowling? Both are like a lion, but only one is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the other has a form of a lion who tries to come. But notice the difference. The roar of heaven advances God's kingdom, but the attack of the enemy tries to stop and to hinder. I wonder if we're announcing or attacking. Do we have the spirit of God or the spirit of the enemy? Do we allow offense and criticism and judgment to get in our heart? Or are we announcing the roar of heaven that our God is advancing, that the kingdom of God is advancing, and forceful men and women lay hold of it? Do you know the enemy just wants to do a little bit of offense, a little bit of criticism, a little bit of judgment to put whatever he can to keep us from advancing the work of God? Because if he can keep us on the prowl, then we'll never look for what God wants to do. We'll just look for the reasons why not to do it. And I feel a strong stir in my spirit to say, church, we've got to be of the spirit that announces the advancement of God's kingdom and not of the spirit that says, what do we need to criticize and attack and judge and tear down? What spirit are we of? What spirit are we allowing? Is it, is it a, a spirit of, of faith that will rise? The enemy wants to move us at a place that we get stuck and he wants to keep us from progress. Do you realize that the offense and judgment will keep you stuck? Tell your neighbor today, tell him, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Some of us have gotten stuck because we got hurt and we learned it from a culture. We've learned it from generations. Well, do you know how they, cre they treated Grandpa? Well, I didn't know how they treated Grandpa, so I better be mad at them too because of the way they treated Grandpa. Yeah, I don't think it's right the way they treated Grandpa, but you holding on your friends and keeping that from one generation to another, keeping your kids from seeing certain people and doing other things and allowing all of these things, how many know that there's a spirit that is not of the Lord? Amen. That when we allow those things, but we create the culture of justification. Then we create this, hey, it's excusable, it's understandable. You know, everybody, you know what they did? You know how they said that? You know what happened? You know, and we allow the offense and the things to fester and the stuff that hinders. You know what that's called? That's called a stronghold. 
And the enemy wants to keep us stuck in a stronghold. The Samaritans were offended. The disciples passed judgment. And Jesus just kept moving on to the next city. How many know I want to be a person who is not stuck in the offense or stuck in the judgment, but I want to be like the Son of God who just moves on, shake the dust off my feet, and move on to the next place that God has called me to go. Because he's a God that is advancing and moving us in to what he's called us to do. But we've got to be honest. Can I tell you, this Activate initiative is not so much about what's in your wallet. You know that commercial? What's in your wallet? I just felt the Holy Spirit say this all week as I've been preparing. No, this Activate is not about what's in your wallet. This Activate is what's, what's in your heart. The Holy Spirit's looking at us today. He's got, he's got a commercial coming across in this season right now. He says, hey, church, what's in your heart? Hey, church, what's in your heart? Hey, church, what's in your heart? What is it that I'm, what, what's in your heart? Because these are moments, let's be honest, it just gives the opportunity to reveal what's in my heart. Because we have to acknowledge those things that are taking place. The, the, the Samaritans were offended. The disciples passed judgment. But Jesus kept moving. I'm saying to us today, church, let us be a people that don't get stuck in strongholds. But a people who allow the spirit of God to heal, to restore, to make us whole. I'm not telling you, you won't get hurt. I'm not telling you, people won't say ugly things. I'm not telling you, it won't be hard. I'm telling you that the grace of God is sufficient. And he'll give you what you need to walk in the place that he's called you to walk. And when you walk walk in the authority and the purpose that God has called you to, you can know that you have the ability to advance in the purpose of God and the calling that he has in our lives. Here's the, this word that, that, that uh, it says that when the time drew near, Jesus went to ascend to heaven. I love this. Luke didn't say that when the time drew near, Jesus was going to the cross. He immediately goes not from the process, but to the purpose. How many know sometimes we miss the purpose of what God wants to do because we get all stuck up in the process? You know, the process that we're trying to figure out when and how and what. And you know what God says? No, you just plant and you water. I'll take care of the how and the what and the when. You plant and you water. I'll take care of the increase. And what we tend to do sometimes is we miss what God is wanting to do in the moment because we're passing in a place of saying, hmm, do I, does this make sense to me? Do I, do I agree with this? Is this what I need to do? And here we get stuck in the process and forget the whole, the whole promise and the purpose of what he was called to do. Jesus is nearing and it's his time. Can I ask you today, do you know what time it is in your life? Do you know what time it is in your season? If you're a teenager, do you know what time it is? Can I just tell you, it's not time to sow your wild oats. It's not. That's the devil's device. It's the device of the enemy. Real quick, uh, I was a youth pastor, and I always preached to teenagers, there is no such thing as teenage. There's only a child, and there's a man. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We created teenager as a wasteland. There's no such thing as teenagers in the Bible. You're either a kid or you're a man, so grow up. There's no teenager. Some of us are still in the adulthood, still acting like kids. Still allowing the, the, the things. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Do you know what time it is in your life? Do you know what time it is in this season, in this stage of life that you're in? Do you know what season it is? Do you know what this time, making the most of the time? Why? Because the days are evil. Because we don't have all the time. Not, what are we going to do? Oh, well, you know, it's an evil day. We can't do anything. No, know the time that you're in and know when it's time to not get caught up in the offense and not get caught up in the judgment, but to allow the Spirit of God to move you forward to walk into the purpose that God has called us to do. 
to experience what it, is, what it is that he's called us to do. Here it is that they come forward and Jesus, he says it's the time. Or Luke says of Jesus, it's nearing the time of his ascension. And we know that before he gets there, he's going to die. He's going to rise again. He's going to make a promise. And then he's going to ascend. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and uh, move upon the church, plant the church, and set us forward. That's where we are today. The Spirit of God is still alive in the hearts of people and bringing transformation. But what is it that allowed this moment that Jesus says, go in and prepare a place. And so James and John go. They go into the city that Jesus would have been in just months before. Because we read in John chapter 4, Jesus was leaving Jerusalem because there was now some people who knew that John was baptizing and Jesus was baptizing and all this stuff. Jesus didn't want there to be any problems. And so he then leaves Jerusalem and goes to Galilee. And along the way, he goes through Samaria. He meets a woman who is at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. You remember the story? In John chapter 4, and Jesus says to her, hey, I, I have some drink or water that you'll never thirst again. She says, well, give it to me. And Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to. And then he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. Jesus says, I know. You've had more than one, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And she's like, you are who you say you are. And then she goes and she says to the, to the village, come see this man who has told me everything about me. This is the same place, the same area. Jesus then, of course, is welcomed there, and he goes back. He spends some years in Galilee, does some ministry. Now he's on his way back to Jerusalem, this time to die. Now he's coming through that same area. And Jesus says to James and John, go prepare a place. Go prepare for my visit. And when they do, the Samaritans are like, he ain't welcome here. We don't want him to come in here. Do you know why? Because he's on his way to Jerusalem. Now, can we all be honest and be like, really? That's what got him? I mean, they're all ticked off and mad and offended because he's on his way to Jerusalem. How many know there's always more to the story than just what you hear? It's like, you're upset because he's going to Jerusalem. Why is that? Notice, though, these are the same people that when Jesus was with the woman at the well, look in John chapter 4, which maybe had just been a year or so before this time. In John chapter 4, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of what the woman had said. He told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him, please stay in our village. So he did. He stayed for two more days, long enough for many to hear his message and believe. Do you notice that the Samaritans were like, we want you to stay. And now those same people are like, you're not welcome here. You know why? Because we always love when Jesus comes to our world, but we start getting a little bothered when he starts messing with ours and tries to get us to go to his. We love it when he comes to our world, but then when he starts saying, hey, I want to work in this area and I want you to move on with me and go to, nah, and how do we reject what Jesus wants to do? We get caught up in offense. Because if I can have an offense, then I can create a healthy reason for, well, you know why I don't go to church anymore. Well, you know what they did. <laughs> you know why I don't talk to that person. Well, you know what they did. You know why I don't do that. You know why we, we create justification because we allow a stronghold of offense and the enemy gets in and builds a stronghold. And instead of us moving forward in what God wants to do, we get stuck. It's quiet and I'm uncomfortable. They were, they were offended with him because he was going to go to Jerusalem. Now, how many would be honest and be like, really, that's what offended you? I mean, who would read this right now and be like, come on, guys, get over it. Is there anybody in the room that would be honest and say, come on, Samaritans, get over it? But you know what? They had a long life of hating the Jews. 
How did this even start that now you're offended because he's going to go to Jerusalem? And that's the whole reason. You loved it whenever he came in and said what the Samaritan woman did. And you're like, come on, stay a little longer. We love you. And all of a sudden, like, oh, you're not just going to do tricks and make us feel good. You're going to call us to leave where we are and walk into, we don't want you. How many know we can turn quickly on that place? We have to ask ourselves in that moment of, our, of, of what's taking place, what is it? How did they get there? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. How many know that, and he's speaking here to John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist is the man of God, serving God, who baptized, who was the promised one who was to come before and prepare the way of Jesus. You know that one who got special recognition in the Old Testament. The Messiah is promised, and so is the one who comes in the spirit of Elijah who will declare, prepare the way of the Lord. That's John the Baptist. Guess what John the Baptist gets? Prison. Guess what John the Baptist gets for walking in fulfillment and the purposes of God? He gets put in prison. And so what does John the Baptist say? I'm a little bothered by this, Jesus. So John says to his disciples, hey, go find Jesus and ask him, are you really the one or should we look for somebody else? Because this is offending me right now. And Jesus says, the blind see, the lame walk, the Spirit of God is moving. I want to say to you today, the same Spirit is moving in Fayette County. And as the Spirit of God is moving, be careful of the enemy's devices because he's going to want and build a stronghold and keep us back from what God wants to do. That the enemy will try to put the stronghold to hinder and to keep us in a place and not moving in the purpose that God would have for us. He says, go tell him. That blessed is he who is not offended on account of me. Do you know that if we don't hold offense, it opens the door of heaven's blessings? Which means if you hold offense, you shut the door of heaven's blessings and heaven's provision. The opposite is true. If there is blessing for those who are not offended on account of Jesus, on taking him at his word, on trusting him at his word. He said, blessed are you if you're not offended on account of me. Then I can say if we allow offense to get into our heart, we'll shut the door on God's provision and his blessing in our life. You know what we'll do? We'll hold offense, and then after the offense, we'll see, I don't think this will work. And guess what will happen? It won't work. And then our offense will be the very truth of why it didn't work. And we'll justify it. You know why? Because a great place of stronghold is justification. I have a good reason for feeling the way I feel. I have a good reason for being offended. I have a good reason for being hurt. I have a good reason for carrying the things that I'm carrying. I want you to write this down this morning. This is what I want to focus on. Unresolved reactions lay the foundation for strongholds. Unresolved reactions lay the foundations for strongholds. There are reactions in life that if we don't recognize and get them under control, they become the foundation that builds a stronghold. And the more we do that, the stronger the foundation. And the stronger the foundation, the stronger the stronghold. And the stronger the stronghold, we get stuck. And then wonder why we're walking after Jesus but have no joy. Wonder why we're walking in the fullness or walking in in the, the purposes of God but not experiencing what God has for us. Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what it says. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for, the, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. What's the purpose in that? The purpose is this, that there are reasons to be angry, but we better resolve the reactions of our life because if we just justify the anger and never resolve what's really going on, we give the enemy a foothold. And by Jesus' name and by the grace of God, may the enemy not have a foothold on what the kingdom of God is about to do in this county, in this city, in this area, that we would not give a foothold to the power of God at work in our lives. 
How many would agree we don't want the enemy to have a foothold? I'm kind of setting you up. Because if you agree that we don't want the enemy to have a foothold, then we also have to be willing to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what about me? If we're going to say we don't want the enemy to have a foothold, then we have to say, what about me? What are some things in my life, maybe right now, what are some justifiable things that you've not reconciled or resolved the reactions that you have in life? I had a reaction yesterday. My reaction was this. I was kind of mad that Penn State lost to Minnesota. That was, that was a disappointment. Yeah, I, I went into weeping and that, and, and, um, not entirely. Now, that's a game. None of that matters. But here's the point. If I dwell on that and my reaction to that controls me, I'm using something that's not so personal. But how about the other things in life that are more important and we justify the way, well, you know, I'm angry about that. And I justify my anger, but I never put my anger in control. I justify those things. I'm creating a foothold for the enemy. And I'm creating an area of justifying this unresolved reactions that are taking place. Offense will rob you of of what God is wanting to accomplish and draw near in your life. If the enemy can bring us to a place of of a stronghold, how many have ever recognized the enemy's devices to try and come in and rob from you? Can... If you're raising your hand, it's because you're moving towards the fulfillment of what God has in your life. If you haven't felt that, it might be that you're already stuck and you're not, you're rec- not recognized. Because I can guarantee you this, that when you step into what God has for you, get ready. Opposition's coming your way. It's just the fact of the matter. It, it's, it's part of that process that, that it's, it's what God is, is developing and working. How in the world did the Samaritans get to the place of being so offended? How did they get to the place of saying, we're so offended? Well, let me tell you where it all began. And here's the start of this offense. It goes all the way back to Absalom. Absalom is David's son. The first time we hear Samaria, or Samaria is created as a region, but Samaria rises to a place of dominance in in the, the kingdom of Israel whenever Absalom is offended by his father. Absalom had a sister. Now, David, back in those days, they had multiple wives. Uh, how many know just because the Bible allowed certain things doesn't mean it's wise for us to continue what the Bible allowed because God didn't want them to have that plan. He only intended for there to be Sarah, and uh, Abraham went out on his own and made Ishmael, okay? He did his own thing, and that created the whole problem. That's where it set forth and gave way because everybody's like, well, hey, everybody's doing it. How many know that's called a stronghold when I justify it, and that's just what we do? And so here is David. He's got multiple wives. He's got multiple children, and one of his sons is Absalom, and his sister Tamar is raped by another one of his children. That's messed up. That's wrong, y'all. That's sick. If you think our world is messed up, read the Bible because I'm thankful that God saved crooked, messed up, wicked people, and he's still doing that today. Absalom is, is offended. You can go back and read it in, in, in the, uh, First Kings. Absalom, of course, is offended at this whole thing because David doesn't respond properly to it. And so you know what Absalom does? Absalom takes away, or here's what Absalom handles this reaction, this anger that comes out of him. I can't believe they did that to me. You know what? It wasn't right that that happened to his sister. But Absalom doesn't handle his anger properly. So you know what he does? He stands outside of David's palace and his, his, his area, David's city, because he was banished for a while because of the things he tried to stir. But he stood outside of David's city and everybody that would come in and try to get justice from David, he stood out there and he said, uh, you don't want to go in there and talk to my dad. You don't know what my dad did. 
You, don't not, you won't get justice. That's not going to work. And for nearly three years, Absalom, all he did was started saying, you know how wrong, you know how bad, you know the enemy. All he needs is for somebody with a bitter heart and a, gel, and a spirit that rises up and just stands up. You know, you know why they can't trust it? You know what's not good about it? You know what that is? How many know that's the device of the enemy that it starts going? Here suddenly Absalom becomes that one and says, well, you can't trust my father. That's not going to work. He won't give you justice. You know what he did? You know what he allowed? You know what went on? And he begins, instead of handling properly what is going on in his heart, instead of recognizing what it was, he allowed a stronghold. And when that happened, the kingdom divided. Now you have northern Israel and you have Judah, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. If you read the Bible, it says there was a king of Judah while there was also a king of Israel. How is that? Because the kingdom was divided. Guess how the kingdom was divided? Because you don't want a stronghold started coming in and it caused division and now we've got a separation. Guess what was the capital of the northern kingdom? Samaria. Samaria is the northern capital. Now it's the capital of the place where Absalom said, no, 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 no. You don't want to trust. You can't do that. That won't work. It's not going to be working. And Absalom is now the one that gives way to Samaria that's set up. Now there's a division. It's not God's will. Assyria comes in and captures the northern kingdom. A couple, maybe a hundred and some years before Daniel in, the, in Judah but they're taken away to Assyria, who is later defeated by Babylon. If you've ever heard Babylon and all this, the road that it goes forth. And here they took the people from Samaria and they, they took out the, the strong people of Samaria and took them into Assyria and they replaced them with other people around. Here's what it says in 2 Kings 17. It says, the king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and that other place. And they resettled them in the towns of Samaria. You don't know how to say it either. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> they settled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived there. Are you seeing this now? The place that was of offense has now been captured. The people of Israel are taken out, and now foreigners are brought in. And when the foreigners are brought in to take possession of Samaria, they now bring their own gods with them. Now they're worshiping their own gods. Read this later on. It says they even sacrificed their own children. They did what was unspeakable. They did what was not supposed to be done. It's interesting. You can go on, you read the, the rest of uh, 2 Kings chapter 17. A couple verses later, it says that God allowed lions to go through the camp and the area to kill people. And someone said, wait, I think we've angered the God of this land. We need, we need someone to come back, send back a priest who will teach us how to worship Jehovah. And so you read this, and now the king of Assyria says, all right, give them a priest and let them teach how to worship the king of Jehovah, or the God of Jehovah. So they worship the God of Jehovah, but guess what? While they're worshiping Jehovah, they just keep doing their other worship to their other gods. How many know that's a problem when you try to just make it all mix and make it all work? And now it's not being done the way it's supposed to be done. Fast forward now a couple hundred years. Ezra comes back to build the temple. Nehemiah comes back to build the walls. And now some of those same people who are in Samaria are coming along and saying, hey, we want to help you. And Ezra says, uh, you can't because we don't do that here. Ezra says, we worship the Lord. We can't allow that. Guess what? They're offended. <laughs> Nehemiah comes along. And they're now so offended with Nehemiah because now they're in Jerusalem. And they're like, these are enemies of ours. Now, they're not just offended, they're enemies. We don't like them. And so guess what? When Nehemiah is building the wall, it's at that time they go to garrison in Samaria and make their own temple. 
They do it their own way. Kind of like when we don't like how it's going on here, we leave there and go do it somewhere else. And then we like that church, and then we say how much we love that church, and then we tell that church how they should do it like the old church that we left. And I'm like, well, if you liked it that way, you should have. But anyway, that's another point, another place. Um, the, th- this whole idea of moving forward, and they're now trying to mix and intermingle. And it's that time they go to garrison and build their own temple. We don't hear of garrison until John chapter 4. When Jesus is speaking with the woman at the well, and she says to him, she says, well, we understand the Messiah is coming, and when he does, he'll tell us all things. And he said, right now, you worship in Jerusalem, we worship on the mountain in Gerasim. And she says, which is the right place to worship? And Jesus says, I tell you, there's a time coming that when those who worship him will be true worshipers, and they'll worship him in spirit and in truth. What's he saying? He's saying that stuff won't matter anymore. It'll be true worship. We'll worship him in spirit and truth. And they said, Garrison, this is the place that it's all created. Now they live in this area and they're like, we worship in Garrison, which means we don't like anybody who worships in Jerusalem, which is why now they're saying, we don't like him anymore because he's on his way to Jerusalem. Do you know what that all happened from? From the offense all the way back to Absalom. Because he didn't get control of the reaction that was going on in his heart. Are you following me? There's some things today that when we respond and react a certain way, instead of just planting, planting that on it's all your fault, you made me react that way, I think we need to stand under the spotlight of heaven and say, God, what about me? God, what spirit am I in that this reaction is coming out of me? What spirit is in me that I'm allowing this offense, this judgment? This this idea of offense, of course, we see that it becomes a stronghold if it's unresolved. But let me real quick just talk about judgment. Because judgment's the other side of this. We see these two things. And I'm asking the worship team to come and and, and help us close here this morning. But I want to encourage if there's unresolved unresolved offense that we allow to be a stronghold. And we allow that to create a place in our heart, that it will hinder what God wants to do. Let me speak real quickly to judgment. Because Jesus didn't only address, and he actually didn't address the Samaritans. All he did was kept moving. He, he addresses the disciples. Because the Samaritans said, we're offended because you're going to Jerusalem. And then the disciples speak up and said, Jesus, do you want us to burn them alive? Jesus' reply, because here's what the disciples are like. We'll get them. We'll pass judgment. We'll call down fire. We'll let them know that's not what you do. Which, by the way, we learned it from Elijah. That's what Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 1. He called down fire. And then there were those who were coming after him to, uh, to arrest him. And so he said, if I'm a man of God, may fire strike you. Guess what? Fire did. And it killed all 50 of those soldiers. And James and John are like, hey, Lord, we can do that. But what they didn't realize is Elijah was under the law. Jesus is greater than the law. He comes with grace. He didn't come to steal and kill. That was the enemy's job. He came to give life. In fact, he said the Son of Man came that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And right behind it, he said, for the Son of Man did not come to condemn, but he came to save. And the whole heart and purpose of this is that Jesus is not a God of judgment. There is judgment to come. You better believe it. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. There is a a time appointed for judgment. But guess what? It's not now. Now is a window of grace. But respond to God while there's time. 
Because there is a time when judgment will come. But guess what? Every time Jesus did miracles, never once did he do a miracle with fire. You notice that? Why? Because fire was all about destruction until the Holy Spirit came and it was about purification. The fire is not meant to destroy. The fire is meant to purify. And so when we pass judgment on on other people, we miss the whole purpose of what God has called that to be. Because we like to, we can sometimes pass judgment. You know why that's not a good idea? You know why that won't work? You know why it's not good? You know, and we pass judgment. The word of God was never meant to pass judgment. The word of God was meant to purify. It was never meant to burn and destroy. It was meant to purify and restore. Which means judgment doesn't work well until it first is, what about me? James and John said, should we burn them down? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're speaking of. You don't know what spirit it is on the inside of you. And when we acknowledge these things, we've got to ask ourselves, what spirit are we of? Can I just remind you what Jesus told James and John to do? He said, go into Jerusalem or go into Samaria and prepare for my visit. Notice Jesus said, go prepare. Where did they somehow think they now had the authority to now punish When all Jesus said was, prepare. All Jesus said to do was prepare. Why? Because I can only plant and I can water, but I got to trust God with the timing and the increase and what he's doing. Be faithful with what God has given you. Be faithful with what God has given you. What spirit are we of? What, What is it? And being careful that we don't allow the offense. And let me just give you these things real quick. What do we do with unresolved reactions? How many have ever been offended? Raise your hand if you've ever been offended. How many have ever felt like judging somebody? About the same amount of hands. I'm proud of you. (laughs) Because we've all done it. It's a device of the enemy. There's not one person here who can say, no, the enemy never got me on that one. You probably didn't realize it. You've created your own justification in your own stronghold. You created your own place of, of, well, it's okay I feel this way. It's okay I judge this way. It's okay I act like this. It's okay I'm mad about this. It's okay I have this, this spirit in me. I want the spirit of God that announces his arrival and not the spirit of the world or the enemy that attacks. I want to I roar like a lion, not prowl like one. I want to move in what God has calling us to. Let me give you these things real, real quick. What do we do to resolve with unresolved reactions? You know that thing that you say, man, I got to deal with what's inside of here. Number one, prayer. Acknowledge the presence of God. The presence of God changes everything. Paul said our weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Prayer. When I pray, I invite the presence of God. How do you, how do you deal with these reactions that are inside of us? How many have ever had it? Don't raise your hand never mind spirit of jealousy it's a real thing it's a real thing realize too even God the Bible says he's a jealous God so don't throw it all out but there's a part that's like okay I've got to respond properly to this well how do I do that how do I deal with those spirits of pride those spirits of, of whatever it might come in it's, it's causing a reaction that I need to resolve in my heart Why is it every time I see that person, I feel this way? Don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm saying. I don't like being around that person because every time I see them, it makes me feel this. And you know what wisdom might be? Don't be around that person. 
But greater wisdom is, God, help me deal with what's on the inside of here that's producing this. You know why? Because that's the righteousness of God being carried out and fulfilled in our life. Instead of what? Well, you know why I feel this way and you know why I do this. I have every reason and justification, so I'm just going to stay away. I'm going to create my own bubble. I'm going to do my own thing. Why? I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm judging. I'm ticked off. I'm mad. I'm... Do I say you don't have a reason to be mad? I didn't say that. But if you let that anger control you, you've now built a stronghold and now you're stuck and not moving on to what God has for you. Oh, that we would not get stuck. Here's So prayer, number two is a pattern. Recognize the pattern. What are patterns in your life that you say, you know what, I need to call that into account. That, thing, that same thing that keeps going on, I need to call that thing into account. I gotta be aware of what the reactions are in my life. I've got to be aware of it. Self-aware is, being self-aware is such a huge thing to know what we're walking through. Here's number three. Number three, I've got to practice patience. If I'm going to respond to those unresolved reactions in my life, I've got to have patience. And what patience does to anticipate a move of God, to anticipate that God is moving, not to rush to judgment, not to rush to opinion, not to rush to our own thing, but to anticipate that God is speaking, that God is creating something. I want Pastor Shatir, can you throw that uh, stuff on that front row? Just bring it up here. I appreciate that. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 4 says. Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Give it up for Pastor Shatir. Let me just tell you, young people, whether you're sitting up here or sitting there, God could not have sent a man with more of a heart to reach young people than this guy right here. He is. He has a heart to reach teenagers which are just the name for what we call kids becoming men or women so anyway um, Hebrews chapter 4 for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart we need the word of God to evaluate and look at where our heart is can I ask you today what's in your heart I know the world's asking you what's in your wallet. But this Activate initiative, I'm telling you, is not so much about what's in your wallet. This Activate initiative is what's in your heart. Because anytime we step in to see God do something of significance, you better believe the enemy's coming in to cause us and make us vulnerable to the devices of the enemy. And Paul didn't say, shame on you that the enemy comes against you. No, Paul said, hey, don't be ignorant. Get ready because the enemy's going to do whatever he can to hinder the work that I've said, that God has set forth. So be on guard. Tell your neighbor today, tell, say, be on guard. Be on guard. Watch out. You know why? Because if you don't, you'll create a nice place right there in your stronghold. You know what that stronghold is? That stronghold is, you know how they treated you? That wasn't nice what they did to you. That's not nice. Oh, I can't believe they said that thing. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Do you know what a stronghold is? There's a good stronghold and there's a bad stronghold. A stronghold means to be secure. To be in a safe place. Some of us have made our safe place in offense and judgment. Well, you know what they did. You know how they acted. So I have every reason to feel the way I feel and respond the way I do and go where I go and do what I... I have every reason. Shame. It's okay. It's okay. 
And then Jesus comes along and says, uh, no, I want to deal with that. Jesus says, I don't want you to create a place to be tucked in in your offense. We've got to be careful that the gospel today, and, and please hear me. You know what itching ears are? The Bible says in the last days they'll have itching ears. And what itching ears are, just tell me everything's okay and I don't have to change or do anything. Just tell me it's okay. It's okay. Don't, you don't have to trust God for big. You just stay right where you are. You do good. You're such a good boy. You're so good. You stay right where you are. It's okay. And then we're like the Holy Spirit saying, no, I want to deal with this. We're like, wait, God, I can't. Why? Because we're making our bed in strongholds in Samaria that have a form of godliness and God says I want to rip that off and take you to Jerusalem and have you walk with me into the fulfillment of what I have for your life don't get comfortable in your offense don't hold on to your judgment don't hold on to this pattern to this way don't allow the itching and the comfortable and I don't want to stretch I don't want to move I don't want to go I don't want to walk in I just want to just tell me it's okay it's okay Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying to you, hey, it is okay, but not here. It's not okay to stay here. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you in. I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to this. And guess what? Sometimes in order to do that, I've got to stand under the spotlight of heaven and say, God, what's in my heart? God, what's in my heart? If you're willing today to say, God, I want you to, I want to be aware of what's in my heart. Is there times we should question? Absolutely. Is it the first thing we do? No. What do we do first? We say, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to do? Because this reaction's coming out of me right now. So what is it about this reaction that needs to reveal something in my heart? What is it you want to do? Because this Activate initiative is not as much about what's in your wallet as it is what is in your heart. Do we know what spirit we're of? Do we know what it is? What, what spirit are we when we speak what we speak when we do? God help us. Let's not be Absalom sitting outside the palace. Well, you know, I don't think that's going to be it. You no, know, I don't think, you know, I don't think. You know, da, 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 da. you know, all we need to do is just allow those things that start setting in and we create places. Yeah, I know. You should go somewhere else where they don't tell you to do that stuff. You should go somewhere where it makes it easier. You should do something else. Be careful. I'm not saying all of that's wrong because there are no bad churches in Fayette County. There are no bad churches in Fayette County. There's sometimes deceived ears that won't really hear what the Spirit of God is saying. There aren't deceived, there are, there are deceived people, but my, and you know what that means for me? Forget what they're doing over there. I just need to make sure, God, give me ears to hear and help me know what the Spirit of God is saying that I might walk in what you've called me to do. So some of us need to let go of some offense. Some of us need to let go of some judgment. And we need to say to God today, God, help me know what spirit I'm of. I want to roar like a lion that's advancing and not prowl like a lion that's attacking. One has the form of godliness and the other walks in the fulfillment and the power of God. Oh, that we would be the church with the roar of the Lion of Judah and declare the anointing, the power, and the promises of our God. He is an everlasting God. God, search my heart.